Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. I want to be a continual student of him. And so I, I want you to be a student today as Ashley comes up and brings the word. Come on up, Ashley. Come on. Let's stand to your feet. Come on. Let's clap. Let's clap for her. Let's encourage. Love you, babe. Hi. Good morning. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Um, as Josh leaned over and said to me at breakfast, he said, I never thought I would see this day. I was like, me neither. Like, don't you know that list of things you tell God you're not going to do? Um, when I knew I was marrying a pastor, I gave God a list of things I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to be the typical pastor's wife. I wasn't going to teach Sunday school. I wasn't going to lead a small group. I wasn't going to speak. You know, that that's not me. But um, God has a way of shaping and molding our hearts. And um, just like Josh said na- last week, our calling isn't often things that we're naturally gifted in doing. It's things that are struggles for us, things where God can come and, and show through us. And that is definitely me today. It's not my natural bent to be up here. I actually was talking to a new friend of mine. She's a, a church planner's wife, a mother of young kids as well. Um, she's an introvert just like me, Enneagram 5 for any of you Enneagram nerds out there. Um, and I was just asking her, I was just asking her, how do you do ministry? It takes so much energy, it takes so much of yourself. And um, she said to me, she said, God showed me that it's through my areas of suffering or things that don't come easy to me is how he's going to further his gospel and further the church. And so I think, you know, for me, it's, it's just, you know, will we be obedient um, to the call of God? So that's just a little of you know, how I got up here. And even up to this week, I was trying to get out of it. You know, I had it written down. I w- and I thought, said, Josh, you can use my notes. I mean, it's, it's good content. Like, you can, you can get up there and, and speak. Um, but I was sitting in the Green Hill Starbucks this week and uh, just writing in, and it was just coming out of me. And I just remember pausing and going, thank you, God, for speaking through me. Because it wasn't me writing these words, and it's not me speaking this today. So... Anyway, um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. When I was at a women's conference this past couple uh, months ago, I had texted Josh and was like, I want to speak this summer because, you know, I was emboldened by the Spirit and, you know. um, And so he held me to it, and I said, okay, I want chapter 4. Because Philippians, for one, is just one of those books that you can have, like, so many highlights in. It's just kind of the greatest hits of Paul anyway, Um, but chapter four to me, and specifically this passage that we're going to be in today, is something that I've had kind of on my heart and memorized for years and years and years, but it wasn't until studying it this week that um, God kind of revealed some things that I was like blown away, so I'm really excited to share that with you. 
Um, I wanted to kind of lay out the history of Philippians and the um, Philippian church, and Josh did this a little bit at the beginning of the series, but it just helps me to kind of get in context. Um, I was a history major in college. I'm just a lifetime nerd, so I'd like to know where I am. So Paul planted the church in Philippi, church plant, so you can identify with them. Um, It was actually the first church in Europe. Um, And what kind of prompted Paul to plan it was he received a vision of this Macedonian man, and Philippi was in the region of Macedonia, so this Macedonian man appeared to him in a dream saying, come, come help us, come to Macedonia. And so Paul went and planted the church of Philippi um, in Macedonia. And he has a great love for the Philippians. You kind of see it in this letter to the Philippian church. Um, It's not like the letters to Corinth where he's just kind of, like laying it all out and telling them how bad they are. You know, it's, um, it's, it's the warmest letter of Paul, and so I think we have a lot of wisdom in it. Um, so let's just get started with where we are today. Um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, if you want to get out your Bibles, a.k.a. iPhones. Um, and we're going to be in verse, starting in verse 4. If you guys wouldn't mind standing as we um, honor the Word of God. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, we just um, come to you this morning. We ask you to open our hearts and to let us download what you have for us today, God. I'm thankful for just the insight that you've given me in this passage, and I am hopeful that others will hear it as well this morning. Just in pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So Paul starts this passage saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be evident to all. I think what he's telling us to do here is, 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 kind of instructing us on how we are to approach God. Um, it's, it's about the posture we are to take. Um, it's about the positioning. And I was, I was thinking about it, and, you know, he's telling us God deserves our reverence and honor. But also, it's kind of like the whole mindset thing. When you're in a negative mindset and just complaining and grumbling about everything, it's hard to even see a blessing when it comes before you because it's kind of, you know, filtered in that negative space. And so I think Paul is saying, let's posture ourselves to receive from God. Let's take on the filter of praise and rejoicing um, and be gracious to all. So now um, we're going to just move on to the next two verses. This is where we're going to be the rest of the time. And these are the just kind of the meat of this. Um, it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul's like, don't worry about anything. Okay, don't you love that friend? He's like, don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. You're like, thanks, Paul. That's, you know, if I wasn't worried before, now I'm thinking about something I need to worry about, you know. Don't worry. Okay. Um, I don't know about you, but you ever get into one of those, like, worry wars, you know, like you're, you're on the phone with a friend and she's telling you about something she's worried about, like whatever, you know, 
uh, you know, my, my kid got up at 6.30. I'm like, well, let me tell you, like, my kids get up at 5.15 every morning. Like, I go to bed knowing I'm going to be woken up. You know, I'm worried about, like, you know, does this kid have strep throat? Like, whatever it is, we're just bantering back and forth on who has the biggest worries, the biggest stresses, the biggest anxieties. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, Paul's saying, you just like, okay, Paul, you say not to worry. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. It's like telling your friend. That's easy for you to say. You don't have what I have. Like, you don't know what I know. Um, well, let me tell you a little bit about Paul's life. Paul was whipped five times, beaten with rods three times, stoned, shipwrecked, robbed, hungry, cold and naked, imprisoned twice. In fact, he's writing this letter from a Roman prison. So I would say you don't have the life that Paul has. (laughs) I would say Paul has a lot more to worry about and be anxious about. But Paul has a secret that he's going to let us into, the insight of how we don't have to be worried. If anybody has learned how not to be worried, and it's Paul, we should learn from Paul, who has all the reasons to be anxious. In fact, later on in this um, chapter, he says, I have learned to be content in all things, in verse 12, in all situations. Paul has learned that it's not the circumstances, it's our heart's positioning. Um, and so that's what we're kind of going to dive into. Um, he de- and he doesn't, he's not like your friend that just tells you not to worry about it. He goes on to tell us how we don't have to worry and what we do about it. Um, our anthem for anxiety, if you will. That's what I'm calling this message. <laughs> um, but when I was reading this, I was thinking, gosh, there are a lot of times that I get anxious and worried, and I don't even know I'm getting anxious and worried till I'm like knee deep in it and like spinning out of control and irrational and, you know, I mean, you know how it is. Um, and so I was like, how do we identify when we're anxious so that we can take this posture that Paul is going to tell us about? Um, and a couple weeks ago, I was, God kind of spoke to me a little bit, but I, I was getting ready and, and I was looking at Instagram first thing in the morning, which I don't advise, don't do that. Like, don't get your phone out and look at Instagram. And um, I came across this post and it was actually by an author and a, and a mom that I really respect. I love her book. She's, she's got a lot to say, but she was talking in a specific post about how her and her husband have decided that her she has two girls. Her girls are not going to, like, use their phones for playing games while at restaurants or in the doctor's office. And immediately I was like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that either. Um, but I was like, and immediately I began thinking, okay, I should do this. We need to do this. We should, we should, we should. And I had, in my mind, I was about to march out into the kitchen and tell Josh all these things we needed to start doing, right? And God kind of stopped me and said, should is not a word from me. Should carries weight, is a weighty word. It carries guilt and shame. And, you know, and anything you think we should, I don't know about you, but for me, I get anxious. And God kind of revealed to me that that's a trigger for me. Anytime I say I should do this, it might be a good thing. It might, it might be a great thing. Your kids having less phone time is a good thing. But it was not a word from God. It was a word, it was my anxiety rising up. And so I just wanted to share that. And I just, um, 
encourage you to, you to pray yourself for God to kind of reveal to you where your triggers are. Um, and I said, should is not from the Spirit. The Spirit comes to bring life and freedom. Should, the word should is not a, a word of life and freedom. And so that for me is just a way I can identify when I'm getting anxious. And also identify what I should be in prayer about and not just feel, feel like I have to go and do it. Because God compels us with his love not his guilt and shame. So that's just kind of a side note about how I've kind of, um, God is helping me to identify my anxieties. Um, okay. So Paul goes on, like I said, to show us how we don't have to worry in this next verse. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So before you think that this is just something else you have to do, you're like, great, I'm anxious, and now I have to do all these steps. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm spinning out of control, like, I'm not in a place to do anything. Like, you know. Um, let's just, let's talk a little bit more about that. So the same day I was reading this passage, I was also reading Proverbs 4, which actually, this verse was the verse on you version verse of the day, which... God is good like that. And in verse 23, it's an instruction from Solomon, which says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, Paul says a similar thing in Philippians, like, guard your heart. But does he? Is he saying the same thing? So let's think about the context again. So in the Old Testament, where Proverbs is, Solomon is the author of Proverbs, they are living, the Israelites are living under the law. So the Old Testament in the first five books lays out the law that they are to keep. And so if we think about the law, the Israelites are trying to fulfill the law so that they will receive God's blessings. And over and over again, they, they do okay, and then they fall away. They, they can never fulfill the law. And so they, but they are striving to do that in their own strength to receive God's blessings. Well, Philippians is in the New Testament. And Christ has come to fulfill the law. And when he came to fulfill the law, he ended our need to strive to receive the blessings of God. He, he took away that requirement. And so now we don't have to strive to receive. So why aren't we receiving then? It's because we're not positioned. And this is what Paul is going to talk to us about. It's not a list of instructions on what we should do. It's not do this, this, and this. He's going to instruct us on how we should position ourselves to receive the blessings through the Holy Spirit from God. So it's no longer about striving in the New Testament. It's about positioning. Um, and so I was like, that, well, that's really cool, you know. Um, so so here's the positioning. So he tells us, don't worry about anything. And now he's going to tell us the position we are to assume. But in everything, in everything, just two little words, but I mean, there's a lot there. In everything, the little things, the big things, the things you can't tell your friends because they're going to say that's dumb. The things you can't tell your spouse because it's, too, it's just too hard. All of those things God is inviting us to bring to him in everything. God is giving us, Paul is giving us permission to bring everything to God. He is the ultimate counselor. So I love that, in everything. 
And then he goes on to say, through prayer and petition. This is the vehicle through which we bring our requests to God. So in everything, through prayer and petition. Now you think a minute, I go prayer and petition, that's like this, that's the same thing. But prayer is communication with God, right? All communication with God helps us build our relationship with him. Just like, you know, a relationship with anybody else, communicating. If we just brought requests to, if I just asked Josh every day, like, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. Well, that's not building our relationship. But petition is specifically asking God for something. Um, so you think about a petition, right? Like if, if people are um, asking you to sign a petition or they're like, you know, so they're usually very passionate about that thing, right? Like just, just think about how passionate people are to get the scooters out of downtown Nashville. Like, you know, we're, we've got petitions everywhere. Like we're petitioning the government. We're petitioning the mayor. Like, you know, we're very passionate about that. So Paul is saying we need to come to God with that same fervor and passion. God is inviting us in not just to communicate with him, but to bring our request to petition him and say, God, I'm not leaving this place until you speak to me. You know, that type of fervor. So God, so I love that he includes that, that petition part, you know, because it's not saying, like, we don't have to ask, but we can ask, and he wants us to ask. And that tells a lot about, I think, God's character um, and how he wants us to approach him. Sorry, let me find a place. Yeah, saying it's, God is a safe place to bring our anxieties, fears, and, and worries. Um, and then he goes on to say, bring, present your requests in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Once again, the way we should posture ourselves to receive. Just like Josh said last week, you know, we have to kind of place altars in our life and remember what God has done for us, it's kind of saying with thanksgiving, God, I know you've been faithful. Thank you for that. I know you'll be faithful again. Um, okay, we're going to go on to the last, the last piece and the really, I think, the, the coolest part of this. But it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the really cool part and the part that parallels with that verse in Proverbs, guard your heart. Um, but there's one huge difference, kind of what we've talked about already. So Solomon instructs us in Proverbs to guard our hearts. In our own strength, guard your hearts for his wellspring of life. He gives us an instruction for something to do. But just like we talked about before, it's no longer about striving, it's about positioning. And so Paul here, once again, is not giving us something to do. He's not telling us to guard our hearts. He is saying when we position ourselves, bring our requests to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we don't guard our hearts. God sends his peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds. We are not doing it in our own strength. We are just posturing ourselves, taking that position so that God can send his peace to do that for us. Um, I just, and just like I said before, when we're anxious, like when we're in the throes of that, we can't guard our hearts. Like we just can't do it. But God gives that so freely. Um, and I love that. I also love that he includes minds in this, hearts and minds. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not a heart person. 
I don't know what I'm feeling half the time. Like, I just, I just don't know. I don't trust my emotions. Like, I have to think about my emotions. Like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a mind person. And that's where my thoughts go. My thoughts get, like, rampant in my mind. And so I love that he includes both hearts and minds um, because, you know, we're different. And some of us feel a lot and some of us feel, don't know what we feel like. So, um, <laughs> And it's all about the mind. So I just wanted to give you kind of an example of how this passage has played out in my life personally. And I didn't really know it at the time, but looking back, I have no doubt that it was exactly this passage that was kind of playing out. Um, So about, I guess it's been five years ago now, it was, um, Landry was about to turn two. It was two days before his birthday, and we were actually getting ready to go out to his birthday party, and I get a text from my mom saying, can you Skype? And I'm like, well, sure. Didn't think much about it. We get on Skype, and she proceeds to tell me that my grandmother is going into hospice care. Now, my grandmother, was, she was 87, but she hadn't been sick, and so this was kind of a shock, and I was like, oh, you know, kind of taken back because we were in Florida, and they were in Nashville. And so I kind of made it through Landry's birthday party, and I was you know, just trying to not think about it. But then I was, I was really starting to get really anxious about whether we should go. The other thing is I was 36 weeks pregnant with Brooks and I wasn't supposed to be traveling. So at this point, so I was so anxious about what to do. And and part of me was like, it'll be fine. Like, we'll go, we'll see her, you know, everything will be fine. And the other part of me was like, you know, no, we should stay. And so I kind of battled this in my mind and was very anxious about it. Um, and I remember that Thursday just being to the point where, like, I knew that I couldn't handle it myself. Like, Landry's birthday was the next day. I was very pregnant. And so I just remember praying for God to just send, just to give me peace in that situation. Just to grant me peace about the decision we made and, you know, about my grandmother and, and everything. And so that night she actually passed away. And I remember my dad calling me and, um, and I went back to sleep, and I slept good, and I was, I was fine. Like, not fine, but just like, you know, when you have that peace, I was okay. We went to the doctor's appointment the next day, and um, she was like, well, you're having this baby today. I was like, oh, okay, great. It's Landry's two-year-old birthday. Can I go home, and let's celebrate his birthday, and then go to the hospital? Um, and I just remember thinking God and going, thank you for giving me peace. Like, you know, and in, in his goodness, like, he, you know, just, just the death and the life, just it was all just kind of a beautiful representation of, of God. And, and so we, we go to the hospital. We're kind of by ourselves because um, my family's all in Nashville grieving my grandmother and Josh's parents hadn't driven down yet. And Brooks was born as relatively uneventful birth. And we were enjoying him until later that night um, the nurse came in. They had kind of been monitoring his breathing and... Um, and she said, we need to decide whether he needs to go into the NICU or not. Well, the problem was the NICU was at another hospital, not at the one where he had been delivered. And they didn't have a bed for me, so I was going to have to stay. So um, Josh and Brooks were transferred to the other hospitals about 11 o'clock at night. Um, and, I had, and I had to stay there. And, but I was fine. I, I remember telling Josh, I'm fine. I know he's going to be okay. Josh was a nervous wreck. Like, I mean, he was a wreck. Like, um, just... You know, um, 
I mean, Brooks had a IV in his head and tubes. It was, you know, you don't like to see babies like that. But I knew it was going to be fine. And, you know, and I actually didn't make it over to the, the hospital till the next night. And um, so it was just a lot. But, but through it all, I was fine. I remember thanking God for the blessing of a good night's sleep. Like, I was like, oh, I don't have to care for my newborn. Like, he's being cared for, you know. Um, and I wasn't anxious or worried. And looking back now, like, I had every reason to be anxious. Like, every reason. Like, there was so much that happened in that span of three days. Um, but I was fine. I was at peace the whole time. I was at peace with my grandmother. I was at peace with Brooks' birth. You know, I was at peace, you know, through it all. And um, I just love that because I look back and say, yes, the Bible is true. You know, God is true at his word. He will send that peace when we ask for it. Um, and it reminds me of something I read in, in one of my devotionals a couple months ago, uh, this definition of peace, which I think is so good. You know, we think of peace as the absence of conflict, but God's heart for you is shalom. Complete peace right in the middle of the chaos. The peace of God we are craving, gasping for, will show up in you, over you, around you, even as the winds of life are swirling around you like a tornado. It will guard you keeping you safe, not from suffering, but from anxiety. I think we think of peace as something that comes after the storm, you know, when it's quiet. But peace doesn't come after the anxiety is gone. It's what drives out the anxiety. It's what helps us withstand the storm. It's our armor for battle, and God gives it so freely when we are in position to receive the Spirit. So I just want to review just a little bit um, with you this passage. So, you know, Paul tells us not to be worried or anxious, right? But then he tells us the position that we can take by presenting all of our requests to God through prayer and petition, and the peace of God will come over us and guard our hearts and minds. Um, so, so great. Um, and I, I don't want to dismiss or undermine what you're going through today. Like, I don't know every situation in this room, but I know there are real things going on that you can be anxious or fearful or worried about. I know that anxieties are not all in our heads. You know, things, some, sometimes we're making up things that never happen, but sometimes there are real reasons to be worried and anxious um, about. But I know that the word says we will have trouble in this world, but God has overcome the world. So the best way I've kind of heard this explained was by Lisa Turkhurst in her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. If you haven't read that book, I highly, highly recommend it. It's so good. Um, but she talks about, so just to set it up for you, she's kind of going through a really hard time in her life. Her husband, um, they're separated. He's been unfaithful. At the same time, she receives this breast cancer diagnosis, just a lot, right? And so she calls a friend, and she's telling her about her diagnosis. And her friend says to her, Lisa, that's just news. That's just news. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, that's just something that's happening. It's just a circumstance. Like, it's just the news, right? But we have, don't have to worry, like Paul says, because we have something that is higher than the news. We have the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter what your circumstances in, Paul says. 
Like, I've been shipwrecked. I've been robbed. I've been beaten. That's just news. We have the truth of God's word. The truth is that we know the one who has won the victory, and the battle is over. Even if our biggest fears came to pass today, it wouldn't matter because we have the truth of God's word to stand on. So I hope that's encouraging for you today. I know it was for me when I just began to unpack this. Um, And I hope that we can start just taking our fears and worries and anxieties to to Christ and let his peace guard our hearts and minds. Because I know that the Bible says we're no longer a slave to fear. And Paul is giving us the position that we are to take to receive that peace. Um, So I just want to pray right now as we close. God, just thank you for your word that we have to stand on. We thank you that our circumstances don't have to determine the life that you have for us, God. We are thankful that your peace, you give your peace to overcome all our anxieties and worries, God. We thank you that your truth is more, is greater than the news in our lives, God. And we thank you um, for that access to your peace. Um, It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.